0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Media Day has come and gone, which means the new NBA season has officially kicked off. We've got preseason games coming up just a few days away. I'm Trevor Lane. Joining me is Ron Gutterman filling in for Keith Smith. Keith is now sort of recovered from COVID, but there's this this minor thing called a hurricane that is now bearing down on Orlando. So he's dealing with that whole situation right now, but I know he does want to get back on the show. Ron, thank you so much for again, bailing us out and and jumping on here.
2: Yeah. You know, we want Keith back. Um, You know, I'm happy to fill in, but yeah, I, I mean, best of luck to him and his family that that hurricane seems to be a very serious situation. So, you know, best he focused on that instead of uh, instead of this right now,
1: Keith sent me a photo last night and I'm sure things have shifted have been since the, since then, but he sent me a photo last night of the current path of the hurricane. And it, and then there was a line that was drawn across the state of Florida and it included a dot where Keith's house is. And that dot crosses right over Keith's house. Like, that's, that's the path of this hurricane. Now, he's hoping in Orlando that it will no longer be a hurricane, that it will be downgraded by the time it actually gets to him. He said that's what normally happens there. But still, um, scary things going on right now. Uh, so, hopefully, everybody w- gets out okay. And then, hopefully, things work out, of course, well for Keith and, and his family. And he can rejoin us on the show soon. But in the meantime, Ron, you and I have a lot to talk about here. Teams have begun their training camps. A lot of things that are happening. We're getting... A lot of workout footage. We're getting all kinds of stuff coming in from every single team. I guess let's start with the Phoenix Suns, who finished up last season with a disastrous Game 7, uh, where they essentially no-showed in Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks to bow out, and despite being one of, if not the best teams during the regular season, and there was a lot of attention paid to DeAndre Ayton and his relationship with Coach Monty Williams. Ayton uh, and Williams apparently have not spoken all summer and this while there's a, a question that was asked of, of deandre in a media day about how he felt when he signed his son's contract and he seemed let's say less than enthused about what was what was going on there in terms of the sons matching the contract offer that they uh that the indiana pacers gave him so what do we make of this situation ron like is this is this awkward like we have seen with russell westbrook in la is that what's happening now with phoenix
2: yeah, I, I'm honestly not sure what's more awkward, Russ or Aiton. I mean, Aiton, Aiton, and and the Suns organization clearly had a long-standing disagreement going back to last year when Aiton wanted a max extension, a rookie extension, and and the team said no. We're just going to let you hit restricted free agency, and we'll we'll do whatever we want there. Um, and instead of working out a sign and trade, instead of doing anything. They just said, yeah, we're going to let you, however long you're going to be free agent, we're going to let that happen. Um, and then we're just going to match, whatever, which is such a disappointing thing for a player like DeAndre Ayton, who probably wanted a change of scenery, after, especially after the way things ended with that ugly game seven loss. Clearly him and, the, him and the Phoenix Suns are not on the same page. And so now he's kind of trapped there. I mean, for one year, he's quite literally trapped because they cannot trade him for one year. Uh, so he's just kind of stuck there in this place that didn't really want him enough to, like, work with him in any significant way and where he probably doesn't want to be. So, yeah, I imagine this is going to be a really difficult season for him, and I I don't know what type of effect it has on the Suns.
1: Well, he's got a no-trade clause. So, in theory, if he wanted to waive that, if they came up with a trade to a team that he wanted, then they could do that, but there is a time limit in terms of when they they can trade him by. Um, This was Aiden. Ayton said after the first practice, I haven't spoken to him at all ever since the game. I can show him better than I can tell him. It's life. Nobody cares about the uncomfortable nature of it. It's how you perform and what you bring to the table. What's said is already said. Monty Williams also tried to downplay things, saying that, uh, that he talks to everybody during camp like he always does, and he doesn't think it's going to be an issue but still, it's strange when there was clearly problems between Aiden and Money Williams. Then they go that far, that long, or the entire summer without speaking, according to Aiden. That's going to put a spotlight on the Suns, an even bigger one. And we'll just have to wait and see how this all plays out, if this affects his play on the court. you know, Sometimes this, this kind of stuff happens. And then next thing you know, you, just, you move past it. Once you get on the floor, everything's good. And you move on. Hopefully that's what happens here. But... Again, Aiden, I don't think was thrilled with the Suns, like you said, Ron, and how they handled his free agency this summer. And I don't think he's long for this team. Like, I don't think Aiden will finish this contract on the Phoenix Suns. I think for the Suns, this was about not losing him for nothing. And when they're able to, they're going to part ways with him. It might not be till next year, but I can't imagine that he finishes this contract in Phoenix.
2: No. And you know what? Of course, there's always the case of like winning cures all, you know, if they start the season, you know, 10 and two, like on a really good hot streak, maybe all is forgiven and they move forward. But given the way the season ended last year, and honestly, for a head coach to not have even one conversation with a a player who, yes, is a free agent, but he's a restricted free agent, to not even have one conversation with the guy for months i mean that that elimination game was in may uh and it i mean it's almost october now so like it's been almost six months for them to not talk when he is a pillar of that team he is the third best player on that team he is you know a blue chip prospect he's the number one overall pick like it's strange to not have those conversations of course winning cures all but like this is one of those cases where if they don't get off to a really great start this could go from bad to worse
1: Yeah, yeah, it absolutely could. And again, something we're going to keep an eye on. Speaking of keeping an eye on things, the Raptors are keeping an eye on Shea Gilders alexander with the Oklahoma City Thunder, potentially as a trade target. Now, the Raptors aren't the only team. There is a growing sense around the NBA that particularly with the unfortunate injury to Chet Holmgren, that the Thunder are still a ways away from being ready to win, being ready to push down on the gas pedal and really go to win games, whereas Shea Gildress-Alexander, he's gotten so good that he's ready to win right now, and so around the league, teams are watching to see if there's friction here, if OKC decides, you know what, we're not quite on the same timeline here, and they ultimately decide to make a move. What do you think about Toronto being a landing spot, particularly Shea Gildress-Alexander? He's Canadian.
2: I mean... Yeah, Shea Shea Gilgis Alexander fits in a lot of places. Like he is a very, very good player. He would fit in a majority of systems. But if you're thinking about the Raptors specifically, a team that is, you know, really kind of littered with wings, and they're kind of thin at guard. I mean, they they have Fred VanVleet. They have some pretty solid guards, but they they I wouldn't call them like deep at the guard position. They're deep on wings, and so to go and get one of, you know, a blue chip young guard, who's probably one of the better shooting guards in the league. Like this would be, if, if this can materialize in some way, and obviously this is more just monitoring, you know, everyone's monitoring Shea Gilders Alexander, but if the Raptors were able to make something materialize, I think that would be an incredible thing for them. I think it would vault them up the standings in the East. I don't know that it makes them contenders necessarily, but it makes them a very, very good team. Uh, as would anyone acquiring Shea Gildress Alexander.
1: He has five years, $180 million on his deal right now. Shea Gildress Alexander does. Um, he's being paid well. He's also only 24 years old. What what kind of a deal do you think it takes to get him? Are we looking at like a Donovan Mitchell territory? Is that is that where we're at with SGA?
2: No, I, I, I don't know that it's Donovan Mitchell territory. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell is... I would say a slightly better player than Shea Alexander. He's also proven himself a little bit more. Uh, Shea Alexander has not had a lot of opportunities to prove himself on a big stage. He also is on a you know a rookie max extension type deal, so you know it's a lot of money. I don't know that it's a Donovan Mitchell esque deal, but I imagine that would be like the framework of what the Thunder would want, but they would probably have to accept a little bit less. Because I imagine Donovan Mitchell is just a little bit higher value given his experience in the NBA.
1: Sure. But that, that certainly could change this season if SGA comes out firing and he really yeah. proves himself to be hitting that next level, which players his age. This is when guys tend to take that big leap. We'll see. Again, if I'm OKC, though, I'm not I'm not trading him. I'm not trading him yeah. because I'm hoping that this will be the last year of Essentially, tanking right of this rebuild, you've got a ton of future draft picks that you could cash in at some point if you need to. Chet Holmgren heal up, and you can approach next season with SGA, with Chet, with another very high draft pick from this year. You've got other draft assets as well, Josh and you Giddy. could really, yeah, Josh Giddy, You've got plenty of young players here that you can build around that are going to be getting better, and I think they could be ready to make a real leap again—not this season, but next season. I think we could see them on the rise. So if I'm the Thunder. I'm holding off. You've got him under contract for five years. Let him do his thing this year, and next year you make the push to really go and try to try to make a playoff run.
2: Yeah, I mean, if Shea Gildas Alexander was 28, SGA was like 27, 28. Yeah, trade him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's only 24 on a five-year deal. Even if you're considering this year a wash, with which they probably are, with Chet Holmgren out for the season, Um, you're still going into next year with Chet, Josh Giddey, and a 25-year-old SGA. It, it's not like he's old. It's not like he doesn't fit the timeline. He perfectly fits the timeline. He is not yet what we consider to be the NBA prime. He has not hit that yet, and he won't hit it next year either. Generally, it's considered 26 to 30 is that prime, those prime years. So that's two years from now for him. So he perfectly fits their timeline to be kind of the face of their rebuild and the leader when they come out and try to contend for, for the playoffs and for a championship. He projects to be the face of that. So I think it makes very little sense to trade him. Uh, the Raptors would be one of those teams, though, that if they were to trade him, I I would be really excited to see what he could do in Toronto.
1: Yeah, he would be an excellent fit there. But like you said, he'd be an excellent fit a lot of places. Uh, The Thunder did just make a trade to get Mo Harkless along with some draft capital in exchange for taking in that salary into uh, the Chet Holmgren disabled player exception. So Thunder still making moves. But one of the things they're going to need to do before the season starts, they're going to actually have to get rid of a few players. They have too many guaranteed contract contracts. Uh, Keep an eye on uh, Derek Favors, 31 years old, $10 million uh, player option that he picked up would have to imagine that he's not part of their long-term planning. And I would be, I'm sure they're going to try to do things via trade, but when push comes to shove, and I think this is going to happen, I would be surprised if Derek favors didn't negotiate a buyout with the thunder and then wind up out on the market.
2: Yeah. And I think a negotiation for a buyout is relatively simple. You know, if he makes 10 million, uh, he's over a 10 year veteran, which means his veteran minimum, I believe is like Mm 2.7 Uh, I think that seems like a pretty fair deal for both sides for the Thunder to essentially save twenty five percent of that contract and get it down to about mid seven figure. And then Derek favors gets to hit the open market. He will get a minimum contract somewhere. He can still be an impactful player at a minimum. It's at ten million that no one really wants him because he's not really quite that valuable.
1: I'm less certain that he will get and I, I mean, look at the guys who are like Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard. I mean, they're, Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, these guys are all still out there right now on the market as a big. I wonder if we're going to see, like, Kemba Walker hasn't come to an agreement with the Pistons on a buyout just yet. And a lot of that is because he hasn't found the team that's going to pick him up if he becomes a free agent. So he hasn't been willing to give back money. It wouldn't shock me. Now, you may be right. It may be that Derek Favors winds up, you know, he becomes a free agent and then he gets picked up. But it wouldn't shock me if Favors winds up in a similar situation with kemba walker where they don't have an immediate landing spot should he become a free agent and therefore not be willing to give back that money because he's not going to be getting it from another team at least not right away
2: yeah i also think i mean i don't know how like hot of a take this is but i feel like Derek favors is better than pretty much every player you listed sure um at this point in their careers uh kemba walker again we've talked about him a lot like he's not kemba walker anymore really Uh, Dwight Howard is a fine rotation player, but he's, you know, in his late thirties at this point, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, like have not looked good in a very long time, uh, playing basketball. So it's like Derek favors is one of those guys that I think can still impact a team immediately. Um, and so I, I wonder if he's maybe in a little bit of a different situation where he would find someone quicker than those other guys. But yeah, I mean, this is a tough market for bigs, so it's going to be a tough market regardless of who you are.
1: A word from our sponsor, Better Help. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been stuck focusing on your problems instead of solutions? We see it all the time when we're talking to fans about their roster, trades they've made in the past. People get stuck focused on what it is that went wrong rather than how to make things better. It can be tough to train your brain to be in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life. But just as in sports and in our regular life, It is important that you do have that mindset of finding solutions and not getting stuck with your problems. How can your team dig themselves out of the hole that they've put themselves in? What moves can they make? What can you do in your life to make things better? Well, a therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. In this day and age where mental health is being pushed to the forefront, It's so important that you take the time to take care of yourself. Therapy can be a great way to unload stress, to have emotional healing, and to help with anxiety and depression. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash front office today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash front office. If, if he does hit the market, the Boston Celtics should be a team that should get on the phone and, and perhaps give him a call, given what's going on with, uh, with Robert Williams, which we talked about on a previous show. Speaking of unfortunate injuries, and this is just, I mean, I can only imagine how frustrated he is right now. Lonzo Ball continuing knee issues. Uh, he's going to have surgery again and then we will be reevaluated in four to six, twi- six weeks. But listen to this quote from Lonzo. He says, there was a point where we would warm up and stuff and I would go through certain days and it would be fine. Then whenever I got to real basketball activities, I just couldn't do it. This will be my third surgery. So this time around, I really don't want to rush anything. Uh, he said missing the season would be a worst case scenario, but he's talked a bit about being unable to run, being unable to jump, can't do anything without feeling pain right now. I mean, this is this is a big blow for the Bulls, but for Lonzo, you have to just feel terrible that he's dealing with this discomfort that is affected, affecting him in day-to-day activities now. This isn't just, oh my gosh, he can't get on the basketball floor. He's dealing with pain all the time, and that this is not a good situation.
2: Yeah, I mean, and obviously, we don't know Lonzo Ball personally, but, it's, it feels like it's starting to near the territory of like career afflicting injury. Um, th- it feels like we're starting to near that territory of like what type of toll is this gonna take on his career as a whole? Is he mm-hmm. going to lose years? is he go- is he gonna have to miss entire seasons for this? Like up until this point he had been a guy where he plays 40 or 50 games, misses 20 or 30 with a knee injury, plays another 40. And now it's starting to feel like this is becoming a recurring issue to the point where this could be not to the level of Derrick Rose-esque, but to a pretty significant degree of like, this is going to affect his career. And so, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation for him to be in. You feel for Alonzo Ball because he he, I mean, outside of the basketball stuff, he's a very good basketball player and he's impactful to the Bulls, but also just in life, you want him to be able to like move without having knee pain. So this is a really difficult situation for him and I hope that this is like I hope this is one of those situations like a Joel Embiid where like this is the surgery that finally does it and like yeah. fixes the issue and he can return in 3 4 months and be an impactful basketball player and be able to live life normally with without pain in his knee.
1: Yeah, and get back to being himself because he is a top-notch defender despite the, all the word about Lonzo coming out of college out of UCLA was He's this transcendent offensive player. His passing, his vision is incredible, but his defense is a few steps behind that as he's become more and more of a a solid pro. That's that's changed. He's still a great passer, but his defense is actually perhaps the best part of his game. The Bulls could definitely need him out there, but uh, this is the front office show contractually 19.5 million this season, 20.46, essentially 20.5 million next season. Um, Fully guaranteed both those years. And then, the next season after that 2024-2025 is a player option 21.4 million dollars there so that's three seasons essentially that lonzo ball is still on the books for the chicago bulls hopefully everything works out okay for them for him there and they can get him back on the floor because he is when you're paying a guy that much you're expecting him to be a big part of your rotation
2: yeah like and ideally i hope that lonzo ball is at a place in his career where he can decline that player option like i oh, want yeah. him I want him to be there. I think, you know, Lonzo Ball is is a very, I think, popular player in the sense of, like, I don't – no one dislikes him. Everyone is rooting for the best for Lonzo Ball. He is, like, a well-liked guy around the league. And so this is just unfortunate. And uh, the hope is that this can be – you know, this is the final surgery that, like, gets him back to where he needs to be. And like Derek Rose, find a way to come back and, like, impact the game of basketball positively – even if, you know, his knee is not 100%. I think Derrick Rose figured out a great way to do that. And I think Lonzo Ball can kind of use that as a bit of a springboard there.
1: All right. With Ime Odilka now, uh, he's suspended for the season. We'll see what happens with his future with the Boston Celtics. Uh, Joe Mazzula now acting as the head coach for the team, the youngest head coach in the NBA, 34 years old, now the head coach and because this uh, slides everybody slides him up a spot and email Doka out of it. Now you've got to add another assistant to your, to your bench. And they're looking at Jay Laranaga from the Clippers. The Celtics want to speak to him. And latest reporting is that they have been granted permission by the Clippers to speak to J- Jay Laranaga about rounding out that bench. This is not, this is not the way that the Eastern conference champs from last season want to start things off. This is a lot, of disruption and so i'm curious to see how these celtics come together to start the year are they the powerhouse that we remembered from last season that came up short in the finals or does this take its toll and do we see a little bit of um disharmony early on
2: yeah and this is why i kind of thought they were gonna go with a more veteran like head coach type yeah. to round out the bench i know there had been rumors about frank Bogle. um yeah. i thought that's the route they were gonna go because i figured with so much uncertainty and distraction that you would want like an adult in the room per se. And Jay Laranaga is a you know, the Clippers have a great, great staff behind Teron Luce. This is no discredit to him, but he's not a head coach. He's never been a head coach. So like, I think the idea of like getting an adult in the room uh, in the head coaching veteran, you know, sense would have been a, a smarter move. Maybe Frank Vogel declined. I don't really know what happened there. Uh, that's where I thought they would go, but I meant again, the Clippers have a remarkable coaching staff. So pretty much anyone off of there is a smart, smart get.
1: I mean, we know Frank Vogel pretty well from his time with the Lakers and we know how good of a defensive coach he can be. Could you imagine Frank Vogel with that Celtics roster?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, the schemes he would be able to draw up with the versatility in that lineup. I mean, it, it would be, it would be absurd. It would be really ridiculous to watch. Uh, but again, can't go wrong with a Clippers assistant because I believe the Clippers have one of the best coaching staffs in the league behind Teron Lu. So uh, yeah, good good for them. <laughs>
1: yeah, just something to keep an eye on and see who they ultimately go with. Uh, last thing we've got for today, the Cavs reportedly interested in trading for Jay Crowder. Now, Jay Crowder not participating with the Phoenix Suns right now. Both sides have decided it's time to move on. There have been some rumblings that he wanted an extension. The Suns didn't want to do that. And here we are. Ultimately, Jay Crowder's time in Phoenix appears to be over um what happens from here and is this the right target here for the Cavs
2: I think this is a phenomenal target for the Cleveland Cavaliers I think when they made the Donovan Mitchell trade you looked at their roster and you said wow they're they pretty much have everything pretty much perfect with the exception of a wing they have you know they they have a couple of decent wing options they have Chetty Chetty Osman they have uh, Isaac Okoro they have they have solid wing options but they don't necessarily have great wing depth And they're much stronger along the perimeter and in the interior with Mitchell, uh, Garland, Levert, and then Mobley, you know, and in in the in the middle and Jared Allen. So getting a wing like Jay Crowder, a veteran wing who's been around, he's been to two of the last three NBA finals. Like this is a dude who just knows how to impact teams positively. What you know, whether you like him or not, I think a lot of it's one of those hate to play against, love to have him on your team types. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, this is a, this would be a great fit for them, and you know now the now the trouble becomes you know uh structuring a trade given Jay Crowder's contracts and the books that they have in Cleveland, it's a bit tricky.
1: Yeah, the other teams that have been interested are the Celtics, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, and the Miami Heat, all interested in pursuing Jay Crowder. So this is not the only landing spot. But you're right. When I look at the Cavs books and I try to figure, I mean, I guess you probably would have to do something around Chetty Osmond because other, I mean, I look at this uh Kevin Love twenty eight point nine million. That you're not doing that. Donovan Mitchell no. Jared Allen no. caris Levert no. Darius Garland no. Evan Mobley no. Isaac Okoro no. Ricky Rubio no. You just brought him back into the fold. I-, I mean, it would have to be something around Chetty osman That's that's about the only thing I see that works, unless you want to somehow stack up like Dylan Windler and a few other salaries I- here. But I
2: think even Chetty osman would require a stack of like a Raul Neto or Robin Lopez type. Exactly. Uh, so I think you need to stack those two. The Cavs don't really have picks that are like near and dear. They have like picks way down the line because um, they gave up a lot of those picks in the Donovan Mitchell trade. Uh, so they're not really in a great position to make this trade. But also the Suns are operating from a from a standpoint of we just want to trade this guy. Like we're not bringing yeah. him back. We just want to trade him. You don't really have leverage when you do that because you you have a guy that's not reporting to you, not reporting to your team. So it's better to at least get something. So if they could, if they could get you know, Ch- Chetty Osman, who is an impactful NBA player and could help the Suns right now, uh, you could get Chetty Osman, you throw in Raul Neto, and then you throw in like a second-round pick or mm-hmm. something like that. There's something there, uh, but I don't know if the Cavaliers necessarily have the best thing to offer for Jay Crowder.
1: Yeah, when I look at those other teams, I think they could get creative and try to figure out some ways to make it work. Um, but I also agree. I don't think I, I don't think the Suns are walking away with with a first out of this.
2: No, no. And then and, and honestly, when you have a player who's not like a, a bona fide star, um, if you get rid of your leverage by saying, yeah, we're just going to trade him. He's not going to report to training camp. You pretty much are, are residing to the fact that you're not getting a first for a role player. You know, if this was a star, you would get a first regardless. But for a role player like Jay Crowder, you, by taking away your leverage, you're basically admitting, hey, we were never getting a first to begin with. Let's just get this done in some fashion.
1: Uh, in a kind of, well, the extension for Cam Johnson is going to be related here to this situation because I have to imagine he probably eats up a lot of those minutes that Jay Crowder would be vacating. Now there's other players the Suns can turn to as well, but uh, arrow up, stock up on, on Cam Johnson with Jay Crowder apparently being on the way out the door. So he's certainly someone to keep an eye on this season, I think.
2: Yeah, Cam Johnson's a very good basketball player. The Suns are going to be fine with or without Jake Crowder. And if they could get a guy like Chetty Osman, I actually think like that's a pretty good depth piece behind Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. All right, everybody. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section down below. Remember, we are just a few days away from the start of preseason around the NBA. How excited are you for that? Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Of course, over on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating and review ron thank you again for for coming on here really appreciate
2: it yeah of course and uh hopefully keith the hurricane passes yes quickly without any damage and then uh he can get back on here
1: yeah hopefully everything turns out just fine there in orlando for well everybody but of course our buddy keith smith as well till next time everybody see ya, and stay safe